Welcome to the Movement PT Coffee Cast, where we sit down and talk about physical therapy, health, and whatever else comes to mind during our coffee-infused conversations. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Movement PT Coffee Cast. My name's Dalton, and with me, as always, is my beautifully bearded friend, William. William, how are we doing today? Yeah, I'm uh, doing pretty good, Dalton. How about yourself? I'm great. I'm excited we're back and talking. Um, we got our coffee here. I got some cold brew today. Homemade cold brew, actually. I made it myself, so uh, we'll see wow, how man. that tastes. Look at um, you. Yeah, I know. Just stepping out in the world. But um, <laughs> I'm more excited about the interview we have today. So, we're going in a different direction, guys. This is, uh, this is new for us. It's a topic we don't know oh, not really anything about. Um, but we're talking to one of our classmates, Lydia, and her uh, clinical instructor. And she's currently doing her placement um, as an animal physio, which is, which is awesome. Um, so we're going to sit down and talk with them. Her, her CI's name's Carrie. Um, and she is uh, an animal physio at the Kempville Canine Center. Is that correct? That is correct. Awesome. So Lydia, Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. No problem. We're excited. Um, So let's just, (laughs) let's just start off. We'll have, uh, let's just have Lydia. Why don't you just introduce yourself, tell everyone a little bit about who you are. um, And then Carrie, you can do the same thing after that. Sounds good. Sure. So I'm Lydia and uh, my classmates know me as the only person in class who wanted to work on animals. So as soon as I found out that that was an option for physios, I I went for it. And um, I'm in second year. I'm about to graduate. Woo-woo! Days left now, which is pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, as Dalton said, I'm I'm here in Kemptville, Ontario, in one of the only PT clinics for animals in the country. There's only three that are standalone physio clinics for animals, and this is one of them. All right, so I'm Carrie. I am uh, the owner, one of the owners of uh, Kempville Canine Center, and we share a wall with our human clinic, Kempville Physio Center. So we're super excited for Lydia to be here because one of the goals uh, in animal rehab is to get young therapists starting to think about animal rehab and understanding that it's out there. So we love having students and uh, we've had a couple from the University of Ottawa because we're just south of Ottawa. Lydia would be our first Western student, but we really want to encourage all of the universities to be asking their uh, professors if they could do these placements in canine rehab. And uh, I am the co- chair of the animal rehab division of the CPA. So we have been a CPA division for quite a number of years. And one of our big mandates is to increase our popularity and increase students learning about canine rehab. And I have to say, I'm very impressed with Lydia. Not only she has great skills, but I think you should tell them how you came about and where she lived for the first week. (laughs) Let's hear the story. Oh, let's do this. (laughs) It's a long story. It will be published in the the newsletter, actually. But to give you a brief synopsis, I had to talk to two different uh, um, academic clinical education coordinators to get this placement. 
they told me yes, then they told me no, then they told me maybe, and then they told me yes. <laughs> and um, essentially, I didn't find out about this placement, even though I had kind of booked it in, in a way. I hadn't found out that I got it until three weeks prior to needing to move. Nice. Um, so Kempville is a tiny town. It's not like London where you can just grab a rental property. Um, nothing was nothing was available or nothing was within my price range. So I camped. I camped in a campground for the first week. That's awesome. I rode my bike into town, which was 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a borrowed baby bicycle. Yeah, it was like a child's bike. Didn't even fit her. <laughs> no, it was super uncomfortable. Um, and then after <laughs> that, um, after a few days of that, some raccoons got into my supply tent and they ate all my bread and they munched all my crackers and they were just, <laughs> they were the worst. Oh my God. Um, so I had to figure out a new plan and luckily around that time, um, a bunch of people were feeling sorry for me and they were like, Hey, we're going on vacation. Can you host it? And I said, yes. So I've been house sitting for the, the last four weeks. Yeah. In various wow. places, four four different houses probably. Every week she's at a different yeah. location and bikes in and uh, figures it out. <laughs> figures it out. So one thing I wanted to say is that so this this young woman is going to go far in life. Yes, she because is because she decided this is what she wanted to do. Got it done, right? <laughs> she didn't, you know. So a lot of people would have said, "I have no place to stay. I don't have a car." You know, her boyfriend dropped her off with her pup tent and a bike and a cooler of food yeah. and left her for six weeks, right? <laughs> so, you know, if you want to do something, just do it, right? Don't don't wait for someone else to figure it out for you. Just figure it out yourself. And then once she got here, you know, pay, we're a small town, everyone knows everyone. You know, people were coming off the street saying, hey, do you need a place to stay? Because yeah. we heard you were camping. So, uh, so it's all been good, yeah, yeah. since then, yeah. Wow. Lord that God. was... In, an What's incredible that? story. <laughs> We're glad you're okay, Lydia. You're safe. You know, you're, you're, you're still alive. That's good. But yeah, I think that's a great point. Like the dedication, the dedication to going after something that you want. Um, I think that's one thing having a bunch of these conversations has showed us that like, if you want something, you know, you have to go and create your own opportunity. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so and, I, I have a question for think... both of you guys, actually. Um, obviously it's like, challenging getting a placement in animal rehab so what would you what advice would you give somebody who is maybe considering going that avenue and wants to get a placement and maybe so they don't end up camping i don't know so there are three standalone physio-owned clinics in the country. That's it. Us, just outside of Ottawa. Uh, there's one in Niagara and there's one in Calgary. But there are a lot of physios who are working within vet clinics or they do uh, barn visits for equine and that type of thing. So all of the students have access to the divisions, right? And if you go on the Animal Rehab Division website, there is a list of practicing physios who are treating either equine or canine. And you can scroll down that list and find someone in your area and then probably contact them directly. I think what would happen is the university doesn't really want you to do a full-time animal placement, but share it with, um, 
with the humans. So yeah. it's convenient for us because we're right uh, right beside each other. So Lydia was doing three dog days a week and three human days a week. We made her work six days a week too, by the, by the way. Um, three human days. Yeah, it was awesome. Three yeah. human days, three dog days. So that kind of helped the university accept this as a placement. And most of the other placements you would do would also have access to a human um, human placement for you. Because uh, in canine rehab, or animal rehab, we are not um, under our colleges. We are under the vet colleges. And so our colleges don't consider animal working hours as part of the mandatory hours that you have to put in as a physio every year. And so it kind of precludes any of us from working full time on animals. So we can, all of us kind of do one or two human days a week and then the rest animals so that we can still fulfill those human requirements. So we all of us have access to a human clinic. So for students, you would just split that placement between both, um, both clinics, but on that website, on it's called Find an Animal Physio, you would be able to access someone in your own province. And to add to that, as a student, that's exactly what I did. Um, so I went on there and it was actually another classmate their idea because last year when we had a month break um i'm from calgary and she was like have you looked online all of the animal pts are in calgary and i was like oh <laughs> i should go look that up then so i did and i organized um a shadow for myself with um an equine therapist and a canine therapist i figured out that yes this is not a crazy thing. Yes, I want to do this. Um, I just need to figure out how. So then that's when you have to talk to your academic, like clinical education coordinator, because they have all of the cards. You can't be contacting these clinics and these people and expecting a placement. Like the university doesn't want you to do that. That's not the rules. So you have to tell them, this is what I want. Please do it for me. And then if you have all of your requirements in, so you have to be like strategic from day one. You have to be like, okay, like we needed neuro hours, acute care. We needed like a hospital. We needed a rehab. We needed two clinics. So you have to know from day one and you have to be like, okay, I'll have all of those done by placement number four and then placement number five, I can have these like extra little hours as yeah. canine because yeah, otherwise it's just a hard no. It, it's a nope, we can't do that. Yeah. And so then what happened was uh, we went to Western and we are, our catchment area is Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, Western had to contact U of O to see if they had any students at our facility and if they it was okay for them to approach us so that all had to be cleared first and then we had a message from the University of Ottawa we're like yep fine no problem and then I uh, her clinical advisor contacted us directly saying we have a student who's interested in canine rehab yeah so so lots of lots of groundwork yeah <laughs> yeah for yeah. sure so and so, it isn't go ahead no go ahead uh it's something you would do really in your last orthopedic placement yeah. because you have to already have a good grasp of what to do on humans before you can treat a dog because we yeah. make you practice on humans first because dogs are way more important right so you know make all your mistakes on the human side and yeah. the dog side because dogs bite if you aren't careful this is true and, some humans um, bite but so but <laughs> it, that's right. Uh, canine's a little bit more advanced just 
because you don't have that a verbal confirmation of anything, right? Yeah. You got to be able to read their body language. You got to be able to uh, feel the tissue. You got to be able to know the end feels so that you know when to stop and you're not going into an end feel that's into spasm and that dog is going to react. So you already have to have some good palpation and some manual therapy skills already before you would come into a canine placement. And I think Western really helped with that since we have a great manual therapy program that not a lot of other universities get. So I had decent hands going into mm-hmm. it and it just, it benefited me hugely here. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can't hear you. Oh no, his audio is gone. Yeah, Dalton, you're quiet. Type in your question. There, you're back, you're back. Okay. Nope. Nope, can't hear you. We can hear you well. You have to read Yeah, that's lips. weird. We'll wait about, a second. What about you. now? You hear me now? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I'm back. All right. So <laughs> what I wanted to ask you was before, before we get a little farther on, why don't you just take us through like a typical session and kind of what it would look like uh, just to give the listeners a little bit of a better idea. Um, I posted about this recently. And if you imagine any human assessment, that's what a dog one looks like. First, you get your patient to come in, although there's lots more treats with the dogs. <laughs> you, you know, you have to, you give them some treats, you pat them, you know, you make them feel comfortable. Um, and then you give you them get, a big kiss. Yes. And don't do that with your no. human patient. <laughs> if you don't want to get reported to college. <laughs> no, I'm reporting. Yes. Uh, really like in-depth to subjective from the owner, because we deal with a really most of our patients are athletic. Most of them are sports or working dogs or like, and their owners spend so much time with them that they know that something's going on. And most people would be like, ah, like, so you have to talk to the owner first. They tell you what's going on, what's happening. And then, um, and then after that, you do the objective and you take them through ranges of motion. You test some joints. You have to do a lot of, um, a lot of manual therapy on them because sometimes the owner's like, oh, their gait's weird. And you're like, okay, like that doesn't tell me much. Like they're walking strangely. Okay. So you watch them walk and you're like, they are walking strangely. And then you have to try and pinpoint like why. So then you have to go through like, is it front end? Is it hind end? And then, oh, it was none of those. Like none of them are tender on palpation. None of them have strange ranges of motion. None of them are you know, no obvious signs that there's something wrong. And then you're like, okay, maybe I'll look in the spine. And then finally you find some reaction. You're like, aha, it's a back problem that's leading to this. So anyway, my point is after that, any problem that you see, it's exactly like humans. They have the same reflexes and most of the bones are the same. We call it, you know, as human physios, we learn two legs and as canine therapists, all we have to do is, or any animal therapist, we just really have to go from two legs to four legs. Because the anatomy is really, really similar. The joints are all pretty much the same. The muscles are all pretty much the same. The nerves are pretty much the same. When you get in and start taking more um, canine or equine courses, then you learn a little bit more of the subtleties in the differences of anatomy and things. But really, it's exactly, it's like treating a young kid who can't talk to you. So you've got to go by how they react, right? what happens and so uh it's more relatable to pediatrics maybe than um than like a normal adult uh, person coming in yeah that's awesome i actually that leads me i've been dying to ask this question because (laughs) a 
big thing that comes up on our like podcast is communication. And obviously in our field, that's so important. So I'm so curious to hear how you, obviously you're not barking at the dogs, not to speak their language or something, but there must be some unique ways that you communicate with the animals. And even with the, uh, I guess you also have to communicate with the owner uh, who obviously cares a lot about um, the animals outcomes. So take me through, how do you guys kind of communicate with the animals? Right. So what I think is that you're either an animal person or you're not. Um, so it's hard to tell people who aren't how to communicate with animals because it comes naturally to people that enjoy them. But basically it's all in your body language. Um, so all of our patients, you need to come off as non-threatening you have to be their friend. You have to be able to let them know that you're here to help. And a lot of that is just in your tone and in your, your facial expressions and in your body language in general. Um, and then once they trust you and they know that you're there to help, then they kind of allow you to put your hands on them. And plus you're feeding them treats. So they're all happy and they let you do what you want. And then you can kind of read from them what is going on and what might be causing them pain or discomfort or things like that might be an issue for them because of just like their muscle tension or when you bring them through their ranges of motion, if they try and sneak a leg away from you, um, if they do any kind of avoidance behaviors, if you try and get them to stand and they say no thanks and they sit down um, or they just look at you and it's just a look and you just know they're, they're thinking, what are you doing? Why are you doing that to me? I don't like that. <laughs> so that's all I have to say about that one. <laughs> so when you take the um, ARD courses and you take your intro to canine or equine rehab, part of what we really focus on is safety, right? So that's one of the first things you have to understand is how to approach an animal, how to be safe, how not to get bitten. Um, if we have time, I'll tell you a hilarious story of my only bite. So, because that's a question I get asked all the time. Um, but one of the big things to know is when the animal comes in, and often they're in pain, so they're, they're, they may be a bit testy, right? And they're, yeah. we never let them socialize with any other animals, so they're always on leash. And uh, we don't let them play. The clinic is not an area for them to play in. So they're on leash. They're with their owner. Uh, and the, one of the big things you start with is you, you totally ignore the dog. You talk to the owner. You let the dog wander around the clinic. They can sniff. You don't even acknowledge them. And when they know that you're familiar with their owner and their owner is having a pleasant conversation with you, then you are not threatening to them, right? So, because a lot of dogs are reactive and protective. And so the, you just don't even let the dog be part of the conversation because we want to know the history from the owner. What happened to the dog? I don't need to look at the dog initially to know any of that stuff, right? So in, in kind of reactive dogs, we just really let them kind of set the pace. And most times there's no other dogs in here. There's just them by themselves, Um Occasionally on really busy days, we might have two therapists and then we're extra careful about um, keeping them on leash and not letting the dogs play. But generally they're by themselves. There's lots of good smells. And this clinic or probably any physio clinic does not smell like a vet clinic. We, we don't use antiseptic. We don't 
put stuff up their anal glands. We don't wear white jackets. We wear a fun, it's all equipment, it's all treats, it's all a very fun experience. And usually after the first time when they come back again, they can't wait to come to the clinic. Like they, the people turn off the highway and the dogs are up on the, on the dash crying to go in for physio. So, That's awesome. Um, I have one dog in particular, I see him every Friday morning. He's like a 14 year old. And he knows when it's Friday because he gets his owners up early. He goes, gets his own leash. He waits at the door. He doesn't even want to have breakfast because he has to come to physio. So it's the, the dogs really enjoy it. So it's really, really funny. And so anyway, once you kind of talk to the owner and set the tone, you never come up to a dog, you know, like this and you never pat them on the top of the head. It's always let them sniff your hand, hold your hand down low, let them sniff it, have some treats, let them get used to you. We do all our assessments on the floor, right? So we don't put the dog up and put the dog on a plinth or a treatment table. So we come down to their level. They can move anytime they want to. The owner's there. And it's a pretty relaxed environment because we never want the dog to be, we don't, we never want to cause the dog more pain. We need to find out what's going on but we don't want to cause them any pain. Right. Whereas with a human, you know what? Sometimes we cause pain. Right? We're doing an assessment. You've got an acute disc. You know what? I'm going to go into an irritable disc. I'm going to cause some pain because I need to know those objective signs. But with the dogs, because they're react, they can be reactive. We're a little bit more careful. And um, it, sometimes your assessment is over a longer period of time because they need a little break. They walk around the clinic. You give them a little treat. They have a little pat. They come back to the mat, you know, and they sort of settle down a little bit. So, um, but very, very quickly, they love coming in. Yeah. So it, it's a really different experience working with them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious. You guys dying to ask questions. Yeah, that was great. That that I'm sure Will feels a lot more comfortable now. He's okay. <laughs> um, I'm curious to hear, Lydia, since like you're spending sometimes treating, uh, you're in the you're treating humans and you're treating dogs. Um, in terms of like the communication strategies and the way you're communicating, have you seen like a lot of crossover or benefits in the way that you try to like establish that relationship or communication with with your patients? I haven't found that I think I'm lucky. I don't think it's terribly hard to talk to people. So I feel like there's a lot of crossover because yeah. not only do you have to treat with your human physio, you have to, you have to educate the owners. You have to go through the same steps. You have to make them feel comfortable. You have to make them understand what's going on. They have to be part of the whole treatment. They, they are part of the plan of care basically. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of crossover um, as far as that goes. And as far as, you know, just the, the communication with your patient, I think it comes down to the same thing. Have you ever tried to look at range of motion for someone with a, like, a really unstable shoulder like they do a bunch of muscle guarding you have to make mm -hmm. them feel comfortable you have yeah. to make them feel okay they have to trust you and then they'll let you assess them so i think it's a lot of crossover yeah yeah my biggest crossover is i really only treat owners of the dogs that i see so <laughs> i just talk to them about their dog and they'll let me yeah. do anything to them there you go <laughs> <laughs> Now, the reason why I asked that question is just listening to the way that you talked about, uh, like, interacting and communicating with, with a dog, a lot of the key things that you said I feel like are important 
when you're interacting with, with humans as well, from a physiotherapy perspective, you know, like making them feel comfortable, um, trying to establish that relationship, uh, trying to help them feel less threatened, like all of those things. The only thing you need to add in is start giving them treats. And I think that'll be, it's game over for, for, uh, for human interaction. If we start giving humans treats, but I, I just, (laughs) I just think there's a lot of crossover. So that's why I asked. I treated a pig one time and <laughs> the pig would only perform beer and pretzels. So we gave him beer and pretzels as I was treating him. So then all my human patients now want beer and pretzels when they come in for treatment. <laughs> That's fair. You got to set that expectation right away. <laughs> yeah. No beer and pretzels. <laughs> only on Fridays. I think I to add on. Just to add on to communication, I think one of the big things that, uh, imagine being a physio is, physios listen to their patients. You know, um, they run it, we hear all kinds of stories, you know, with with other healthcare professionals, the the doctor decides what's wrong. They don't really listen to what the patient is saying. And I think uh, it really is important, especially in the animal world, is the owner knows their dog. The owner knows they, even though they can't diagnose it medically, they can tell you what's going on. And as long as you listen to them and don't poo-poo them and say, oh, you know what? Okay, yeah, fine. That's what you see. But I think this is what's going on. That's what a, that's a big thing that physio does, right? Is allow the owner or the, the human to, to say, you know, here's what I think is going on. And, 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 and we can agree with them or help them to figure out what maybe why they're having their pain there, you know? So I think listening is a really good skill that physios have. I agree. Awesome. Awesome insight. I totally agree with that. So with regards to like having a student care, I'm just curious to, to hear what are some of the main things that you try to get across to your students or try to someone wisdom you try to impart um, on, on the students that come through your clinic? in order to set them up for success as they go into the actual profession. Right. So um, in Canada, just recently, we have developed a whole diploma program in canine rehabilitation. And so when when I went through my um, training, there was nothing in Canada. We had a couple little courses, but nothing really structured. And the ARD has, has done a really good job in creating a whole stream courses and a whole diploma program so I think what they like Lydia needs to know and and other students need to know is there's a whole lot of support out there to help them get into this type of the profession because there's um, a series of courses there's congresses there's mentorship which like those of us who are older who have been doing this for a while didn't have any of that mentorship available right there were there were no physios doing um any kind of animal practice when when I went through school. So, and I'm a Western grad, by the way. You yeah. guys pass my picture on the wall every day. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so there's, a, there's a whole bunch of um, things that are available now. And in the newsletters, we we give lots of information about how to start your practice because these therapists now are still kind of trailblazers in their area, right? Even though 
uh, animal rehab has been established for a little while. I don't think there's anyone in London. There's one person in Toronto. There is nobody east of here. Like there's nobody in PEI. Well, one person in Halifax, right? It's so scattered that anyone who is now taking on these uh, animal rehab courses is still a trailblazer when they move to Penticton and when they move to Prince George and when they move to Orangeville, right? There's there's nobody doing it in their area. So you're, you're creating your own job, right? So, so we know everyone's going to be probably working part-time with humans, but if you want to treat animals, you got to get out there. you got to talk to the vets. You usually would work in a vet clinic to get started, probably doing post-op stuff because that's really, really easy for physios. It's kind of our bread and butter. We do it all the time. Mm -hmm. And a post-op dog, is no different than a full stop knee replacement. And uh, the ACL is the number one orthopedic surgery in a dog, right? And so even if you just go into a clinic and start treating ACLs, it's fantastic. So 20 years ago when I did a presentation for the local vets, when I was just starting my canine practice in Ottawa, I did a rehab presentation for them on cruciate injuries. And we know from humans, like, I work with the national rugby team and we had a, one of our players go from a complete tear and a cruciate repair and literally 12 weeks later was playing world cup, right? That's how quick now the rehab is. Jeez. And in the vet literature, I was reading up on, on a whole bunch of things and the textbook had about a hundred pages on the surgical technique for the ACL and one paragraph on rehab. And the paragraph said, Create rest for six weeks and return to full function at 12 weeks, period. Nice. Oh, man. So they know nothing about rehab, right? Yeah. And, that, and now we have all the things to help our people put together really good programs because yeah. the vets are about 30 years behind human medicine. And the vets don't, you know, they know, they're fantastic surgeons, but your orthopedic surgeon in the human realm is not going to do any of your physio, right? The physios right. are the experts in that. So, so our challenge as animal rehabbers is to get that information out to the vets and make the vets understand that we are the experts in this. And that's what we want these guys to be doing because they are, even at, even at um, a beginning, you still have all of that human background with you. And it's the same same thing right. so Lydia can walk in tomorrow to a, a vet clinic and be able to help them with the post yeah yeah to add on to that um, it became shockingly clear how much more qualified to put it bluntly physios are to treat rehab than any other profession regardless of the species when we talked to not only some vet technicians but also a vet herself going through a rehab program she was telling me that hers was like weeks long and uh, you know i've had my five weeks here but the two uh, diploma courses can be done within i think they're both weekend courses yeah so they're both weekend courses so as a physio basically all you have to do is learn the anatomy and the physiology and you know just get that kind of information and then common conditions common things that you might see blah 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 but we know what exercises to do we know how to strengthen a system incrementally we know all of this stuff it's ingrained in us so we know like acl fowler kennedy post-op like procedure week one week two week three week four like then you just take that put it on four legs 
there's your dog. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting. Like we are, we're the experts. And it came, it came out when I was talking to these other animal experts, how much better we are at rehab than they are, unfortunately. Yeah. And there just aren't enough of us out there. So that's why mm -hmm. we love this kind of interaction and we love students to come in and start learning about it and start their careers right from day one, half human, half, half animal. Yeah. You are the experts already. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, that's a good point. I feel like we have to hear your dog bite story before we kind of continue. Okay. <laughs> so and often people ask me, have you ever been bitten? And I have only been bitten once. And it was by a quadriplegic cat. So this cat uh, was born with all kinds of allergies. Probably shouldn't have survived uh, kittenhood, but anyway, survived. Uh, went, the owners are two sisters. They just love this little cat. Anyway, they take the cat to its first set of shots. It has a huge reaction to the first set of shots. So the vet's like, okay, you can't do any more shots on this cat. He's allergic to everything. So he goes along fine for about a year and he gets stung by a bee. So he's allergic to the bee venom. So he goes into anaphylactic shock. They rush him to the vet clinic. They give him the antidote. He's allergic to the antidote. Oh my gosh. So this cat goes into complete meltdown, right? And he becomes a quadriplegic. The only thing this cat can move is his head. So I see him a year later. So for the last year, the sisters pull him out of his little orthopedic cat bed, take him to his, his special cat litter, manually express his bowel and bladder, take him to the food dish, let him eat and drink, take him back to his orthopedic bed, come home at lunch and flip him over because he's going to get bed sores otherwise, do the same thing. So it's not my place to tell anyone when to euthanize their animal, right? That's the number one thing to learn is that is not our scope of practice. So if they, if they think they can try to treat this cat, I'm all for it. So they come in a year later and you can imagine how stiff this cat is, right? He hasn't moved for a year. And my question was, what, what do you think I'm going to be able to do for this cat? So they said, well, we don't know. The vet thought maybe acupuncture might help or exercise might help. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I've got to try, right? They're my clients, not my call, what to do with your cat. So um, I have this cat on my lap and I, first of all, showing them some passive range. Like if we're going to do anything with this cat, we have to get some mobility in his joints, right? Before anything's going to happen. Cause he's like this, right? On all four legs. So I've got him in my lap. He can feel me bending his elbows. Like he had some movement, but he didn't have any, it was, he had some passive movement, didn't have any active movement. So I'm showing them how to get his joints moving. And he, he's feeling this, he's meowing. He doesn't want to be there because this is probably so a little bit sore. Yeah. But he can't get away, he's paralyzed. So he reaches up and bites me on the nose. And oh I jump God. up and I have this paralyzed cat hanging off my nose. He won't <laughs> let go. And I that clinic and he's swinging off my nose and there's blood starting to come out and the sisters are screaming i'm killing myself laughing it's the funniest thing i've ever seen <laughs> the vets come in we're like get the cat off the nose you know patch up the blood anyway super funny moral of the story is about four months later he was crawling moving around uh getting to his own litter we never really got him walking very well 
but we made him a little scooter so they could take him outside on his little scooter and get outside for some fresh air. So that's he amazing. lasted another couple of years and then something else got him. But uh, that was my only bite in uh, 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least it ended in a, in a positive note for the most part. <laughs> you guys are obviously yeah, like very, very passionate about this field. So what would you say is the reason somebody should get into this field? I think that there's not just a single reason, honestly. Um, I think if you want to make a difference for an animal, get into this field. If, if you enjoy and are rewarded by a population that will do what you tell them to and will recover because you tell them to do it, get into this population. If you really just like petting dogs all day, get into this population. Like working with them is so rewarding and it just personally, it makes me happy every day. So I, other than that, like if you, if you want good patients, fit patients, happy patients, and you know, just a really adorable patients, then get into this field. Awesome. <laughs> so I would add on to that. We have great compliance, right? We, yeah. And here's the other thing with animal rehab. We only have good owners, right? Crappy owners don't bring their dogs into for physio. So we only have committed people who will do everything you tell them to. So our compliance for appointments and exercises and home programs is way better than it is for humans, right? The humans, you know how hard it is to get someone to do a home program, but mm. in the dog population, man, they've done it. They can tell you how many reps. They, they know what's going on with their dog. And so they, they're a committed population, and that's really, really rewarding as a physio, right? To have someone take what you say and, and do good things with it. And second reason for me is it's way more fun than humans. Yeah. Like, it's just fun. It doesn't even feel like work, right? For me, I've been a physio over 30 years. It was like, if I see another sprained ankle, I'm going to have to shoot myself in the head. Like, I'm <laughs> like, you get start to get kind of in a rut, right? Yeah. You get a bit bored. It's like, oh. But then when you start treating animals, you got to think outside the box. You, you, like, it's all totally different. So I want you guys to think of how you would do an eccentric load exercise for a dog's quadricep. Now, I don't probably expect you to answer that, but how would you get them? So how am I going to get an eccentric load on a quadricep? Because I've got to strengthen the patellar tendon. There's a great question for you to sleep on tonight. So, uh, so it makes, I find it's brain stimulating, right? Yeah. It, I like treating humans, but I love treating animals. Um, and I think we also make a difference in life and death with, yeah. with animals because very often we have a lot, we have a sport population and we have an elderly population. And there is so much you can do for a senior animal that avoids euthanasia because if this, so I have a lot of people that come in and say, if this doesn't work, we're putting them down, right? And so all of a sudden they see life come back into their pet, yeah. their beloved pet. And I often see them for three or four years after that point before they actually have to be euthanized. So it is literally uh, changing someone's life. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That's awesome. Just like that, actually, two or three weeks ago, their dog was paralyzed, basically. And then, you know, he started getting a little bit better. And then by the time, like, like three days later, he was, 
you know, not doing great, but he came to physio. One week later, you know, he was pretty much back to normal. And they, they disclosed to us, they're like, yeah, if physio didn't work, he was, we were on our way to the vet mm-hmm. to get him euthanized. Mm-hmm. Like, we wow. were on our way. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, now he's happy. He's good. He's 14 yeah. years old. He's yeah. probably going to live another few years. Yeah. The oldest dog I treated was an 18-year-old uh, golden. I have a lot of 16 and 17 year old dogs. There is so much you can do for senior animals. Yeah. I was going to ask. The, so that's uh, why I do it. Do you put it down in, in normal years or dog years? <laughs> Those are human years. <laughs> <laughs> um, just. Uh, My last <laughs> Wow. That's crazy. Oh, we lost that no, we're just, uh, just to kind of wrap, wrap it up a little bit here. Um, Carrie, I know you want to try to get more information about, out about animal physio. And I know you're, you're part of the, um, the, the college and not the college, sorry, with the CPA divisions. Um, so you want to just tell the listeners a little bit more where they can find more information about how they can get involved. Yep. That'd be great. Uh, so everything is on the CPA website and you will all be able to log in with your student ID to the CPA website. And then from that website gives you access to all the divisions. So you would just uh, Google like animal rehab or ARD as so it's animal rehab division. And then you will come to the ARD page within that CPA website. And in there is all kinds of information about how to get started it's all of the uh, archive newsletters for the last 10 years. And a lot of them have information on how to actually start a business with canine rehab, um, all kinds of articles on case studies and different things. And then all the core curriculum courses are on there, plus all of the advanced specialty courses that we offer. So I, I would say, don't wait. Like you don't have to wait until you've been a human physio for 10 years and have done all your, you know, your A's and B's and your manual therapy skills. Start now because you're already the experts when you compare to what's happening out there right now. So you don't have to wait to become a perfect human physio to start your, your animal program. So uh, just everything is on the website there and we're happy to take questions at any time uh, and come and shadow somebody. If you, if you um, find someone in your area on that site, you spend a day because as soon as you spend a day, you'll be hooked. Like yeah. it is so incredible to be treating animals. Yeah. And if I can add on to that, um, the animal rehab division has a Facebook page and I have been recently curating a animal rehab kind of educational page on Instagram and Facebook called yeah. pause for thought rehabilitation. So you can awesome. kind of go on there and follow, follow it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. We were gonna, I was going to ask you that next, Lydia. I was going to ask you a little bit uh, to tell everyone about that page. And I know, I know you're putting out some content there. And, and uh, I think that's great. It's really good. I, I, I look through all the videos. So I definitely encourage everyone out there to go follow it. Um, yeah, so I mean, if you guys have anything else to say, or we can kind of wrap it up there. Go on, I would say just go on to the ARD Facebook page and friend us because there's all kinds of stuff and there's all kinds of international uh, sites as well for uh, animal rehab out there. So just start checking it out and get involved. It's a, it's a ton of fun. You'll never regret it. Awesome. Well, guys, we really appreciate the time, taking the time to chat with us. Yeah, th- thank you so much. It's been, uh, it's been awesome. Thanks for having us.
Yeah, it's been informative. And, and Lydia, it's awesome to hear that you're doing great things and you're definitely passionate. You can hear it in your voice and in the story, you know, at the beginning of what you had to do to, to even get the placement. Um, that's awesome. So keep doing what you're doing. We're, we're lucky to have you as a classmate. Awesome. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks very much. We'll talk All to you right, soon. Thanks a lot. Bye.